Hello, and welcome to 12-Sided Stories Demigods, a Powered by Apocalypse game. And now, the author of Demigods and our herald, Jason Mills. Hi, this is Demigods. We're playing the game that I made. I'm Jason, and we have some players with us today. I'm one of those. I'm Mac, and I'm going to be playing the Verdant Playbook. My character is Victoria Redding, and she is the daughter of Hecate. Hi, I'm Abrea. I'm going to be playing the Trickster Playbook. Her name is Petty Smith. She's the daughter of capitalism. I'm Michelle, and I'm going to be playing the Warrior Playbook, and my character's name is Sochil, and she is the daughter of Coatlicue. Hi, I'm Mordecus, and I'm here to make your transition to death a lot easier. It's not scary, I promise. I'm also Wes. Yeah, just read the manual, <laughs> follow the directions, and yeah. you'll understand what to do next. Everything's going to be fine. Excellent. Okay, so to make a character in Demigods, the, the main way to do it is to look at the page numbers on the playbook and just go through it page by page, top to bottom. Uh, once you have a, a name, your divine parent, there's some backstory questions on there. Just acknowledge your ascendance move goggle at it and move on. Uh, then you're going to do your attributes on the inside. You have a set of five numbers you have to start with, and then you get to add one to one of them. Your um, attributes are described there with which basic uh, moves they are attached to. Then you get to pick your gifts. Everyone gets three. You pick your moves. Everyone gets three. And uh, on the back page is where your tangles and the spindle information live. So that is the basic order of operations to make a character. Um, so we did all of our background stuff and it's uh, pretty soon I'm going to have everyone go around and tell us a little bit more detail about your character, where they're from, like where their mortal life is from, who their divine parent is, what the situation was. Um, do you have a biological divine parent? Are you divinely adopted? Do you have three parents, five parents? I don't know. Anything can go. Multiple headed parents. Yeah. Oops, um, all parents. Yep. <laughs> Mythology <laughs> is complicated and weird and always messy. That kind of stuff we'll get into. And then when we've introduced the characters, uh, we can uh, figure out who our spindle is and who, what or where our spindle is. And then we can do our tangles. And so part of the setting of demigods is that gods can't come to Earth and just hang out whenever they feel like it. They can come for a little while, but then reality starts to bend around them and things get weird and they have to check out pretty soon. So they can stay long enough to, let's say, have relations. Right. I mean, make relations. <laughs> um, and then they have to skedaddle. So they want demigods on the playing board so that they have people who will always do exactly what they ask them to do on the mortal plane because kids always do what their parents ask them to do. Yes. Of course they do. Of yeah. course. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad it confirmed with the parents in the room. <laughs> yes. Um, so, because I wrote this assuming that that was the case. Yes, and so, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah. yeah, okay, great. They're perfect. Good, 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 good. Children. The demigods, the half-mortal, half-divine children of the gods, are uh, running around in the mortal plane, advancing the gods' various agendae, I think is the word. Yep, that's a technical term. And uh, in the setting of demigods, the idea is there are a lot of the smaller churches that are a lot more prevalent. Like, I know people today in real life who uh, devote things to Odin every day. And 
that's cool. But you don't usually go down the street and see a temple to Odin. Right. right? And so in the world of demigods, there's a lot more of those little churches around. And that's just normal to everyone. In fact, probably the weirdest thing is somebody who is a full on hard edged atheist. That's extremely unusual in the setting of demigods. The gods all exist because of humanity's incredible imagination that dreamed them into existence. And now they are. And I always feel the worst for atheists, though, because once I pick them up, I, I tell them, close your eyes, pretend like it's blackness forever. I'm just going to take you across the street and let you sit there. Just keep <laughs> your eyes closed, though, because there's nothing after, I promise. It's what <laughs> they want. It's what they believe. So that's what we go with. Demigods in this setting have divine powers and enough mortality in them that they can hang around on Earth. They, however, are not supposed to work together. They need to work individually because otherwise combined, they'll start to have the effect of a god hanging around on Earth. Your group, however, found something incredibly special in common. There was a person, a place or a thing that was so incredibly important to all four of you that you showed up to save it when it was going to be destroyed slash killed slash uh, whatever. Um, you saved the day, and in saving that thing together, your fates were bound up in a way that you can't get rid of each other, but with this spindle thing in the middle, it has propped up your fates so that they don't collapse into a black hole of probability. Okay. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> um, usually we say that part is uh, maybe a year ago. You spent the last year getting to know each other a little bit, but the thing that I really care about is what happened... <laughs> <laughs> the, you know, and the place to start there is telling me a little bit more about who your characters are so that we can see what maybe you have in common, what what the person, place or thing is that all four of you were around incidentally without seeing each other because you can't just go around high fiving other demigods at the coffee shop. You, And I think demigods generally notice each other right away. You just get that vibe, sort of the Highlander vibe. Right. Um, and you go, It's the cool. Into the Spider-Verse, like, yes. uh, wait, yeah. Oh, you're like me. Yeah. It's enough that you could go like, yeah, okay, you go into the coffee shop, I'll go later. That's, you know, just so you don't crash fates into each other. Right, right. Right. Victoria Redding, a verdant. Yes. I'm, I don't know why I said it that way, and I regret it. A verdant. Um, verdant. Yeah. verdant. The verdant. verdant. Uh. Uh, what is your life? <laughs> I think that Victoria's actually just kind of come into the realization that she's got a divine parentage, that it wasn't really apparent to her. She was always good with plants and with animals, but uh, it it didn't strike her as being an unusual thing. Uh, so her career, her day to day is she is a landscape consultant and she spends a lot of time with very well-to-do clients and their lawns and is very knowledgeable in all kinds of plants, especially the exotic plants, and very good at bringing them back to life. Okay. How old would you say she is? Uh, she's not that old. I would say she's maybe mid-20s. Okay. So something along her pathway said, did, was she visited by Hecate herself or did she send a messenger or maybe like a singing Venus flytrap, um, something like that? Um, actually she sent a talking dog. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, everyone loves a talking dog. Yeah. Uh, Victoria was not really sure what to do with that. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Thanks. I'm crazy now. Exactly. Yeah. So I think she's still coming to grips with what she's got, uh, going for her. Mm -hmm. Um, and she, 
has kind of an interesting look too because she's very pale she's got silvery hair and she tends to dress very much in like monochrome shades but it almost seems like she reflects the colors of the nature and world around her fun so she could have a a green pallor but not look sick exactly yeah okay that's fun oh yeah that's something else to note too on your character sheet it is possible for demigods to look a little bit different from mortals mortals don't (laughs) they do (laughs) not want to see the supernatural so the you know seven foot tall demon that's going into order her latte people just see that's a very tall lady because that's what i want that to be right they don't want to see the horns and the tail and the you know all that stuff so if you have something weird about you that's great let's talk about that because it's something that other supernaturals might notice right away and so that can be kind of fun so uh vicky no (laughs) (laughs) okay just had to get one for the record um wipe that (laughs) leave it in it's the, old, it's the only time I've wished like desperately for this to be streamed. <laughs> that was withering. Get it withering? She's yeah. a verdant. I, I don't I'm understand. Very good at this. What do you mean? Took a, that took us to new heights. All right, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's just that one thing painful. upon another thing Ouch. that has nothing to do. I just, I, nope, sorry, shutting down, need to reboot. <laughs> okay, so Victoria Redding, one, I'm pleased. I think this is the first Verdon I've seen played that isn't a hippy-dippy pothead. So oh. I'm pretty excited about it. I think, I mean, I also like hippy-dippy potheads. They're fun, but this is going to be a fun twist on the uh, Verdant. But mm-hmm. where do you live? Uh, well, we haven't really set a firm place between all of us, but I imagine she would be... If it was like an L.A., probably like a Beverly Hills. Like okay. she's very well to do and she's that kind of landscaper. Yeah, I see. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> OK, that's good to know. So that area of the city we'll, we'll shoot for. OK, Petty Smith. What's up? Just Petty. OK, right. Who are you and how did you get here? <laughs> um, Petty is the like highly privileged child of like generational wealth, like old money on the East coast. And it was in college where she was passing herself off as like a self, like she was at Harvard, obviously, Mm. and passing herself off as self-made and like encouraging all of these like other students are like, no, it's not about like where you come from. It's about what you do. And it's part of the lie uh, that capitalism so desperately needs that capitalism came and tapped on her shoulder and was like yeah do you want to be part of this absolutely uh so the fun thing about her is that i don't think most people know what she actually looks like because she changes like every aspect of her appearance at whim like she has outfit of the day but like she will change her physical appearance all the time other than the fact like that she appears like super polished like runway ready all the time (laughs) like she looks like She's at the front row of like Versace, like during New York Fashion Week all the time. Uh, And anyone that's like at all like connected to the divine can see that she has a giant like cutout of where a heart would be like in her chest. And it's just an empty hole to go straight through the back. (laughs) Just straight like you would see light through her body. Yeah. Just straight through the back. Yeah. Because she's what everyone thinks capitalism is, which is inherently heartless now. Uh, It used to be like a couple generations ago, capitalism was like a fortune deity that people like supplicated to, to be like blessed with the American dream and all those good things. And now it's sort of understood to be this like dark, oppressive force. So, yeah. And that's the force that adopted you. Yep. 
Okay. Yeah. Do you see capitalism as part of a particular pantheon? Is it an individual deity? Um, I see it as part of like the American pantheon. Okay. In none of the nice ways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Where? What part of town are you in? Uh, we're in LA. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Then let's go. Shoot. Like the nicer Bel-Air. part of Beverly Hills. <laughs> That she, would be no, Bel-Air. no, no. She's in she's in Hidden Hills oh, right. in Calabasas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, get out of here. <laughs> she's next to the Kardashian Wests. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. Okay, cool. And uh, so chill. Okay, so um, she's probably mid thirties. Mm-hmm. Uh, very tall, long, dark hair, and green eyes. Okay, she used to be in the military. Of course, she's the warrior. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, she used to be in the military, but since leaving the military, she's found that her skills are better used for the movies. So she is a stunt woman and weapons consultant on the pictures, so... them picture shows. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, she's originally from the North Valley. Okay, uh, she uh, she's not a valley girl. Mm. Uh, no. So you claim it'd be so easy for you to slide in. It would really be yeah. easy, but she, I, I know that would it's be hard. fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you haven't heard it. It's annoying as hell. <laughs> no, but she's uh, she's from the North Valley. Yeah, I could totally. Um, pretty down to earth person, but she knows how to deal with the the hullabaloos or the whatever the mm-hmm. the hobnobbing folks in the in the pictures the so fancy, the high fancy pics the highfalutin rootin tootin yep. you know so she she tries to keep it pretty real but you know she gets caught up in the hollywood stuff every once in a while and uh, how long have you known that you're a daughter of uh Kuatlakue? Probably since my mid 20s it was my uncle who told me mm-hmm. he was a messenger he was a longtime worshiper of her ah. uh in secret you know because and she i'm not really part human i'm part earth ah, okay. so yeah but you know <laughs> so she's sort of like the rock the solid person mm-hmm. you know because of that and so um but her uncle was the one who sort of arranged for me to seem like i was born into this family so my parents really my human parents don't know okay so just to get a sense who you said she's tall is she like broad and burly or narrower or what's your like athletic build yeah okay cool good and can you say a little bit about what for folks who don't are not as familiar with Kuatlaque, what is your kind of impression of that god? Well, she's the Aztec goddess of fertility, warfare, governance, agriculture, and childbirth. Oh, yeah. Jesus. So that makes sense. Yep. So all it. the things. The circle. No. Yeah. So she's <laughs> Can't get sued. she's pretty badass. So she's um, you know, and Sochil is like very much wanting to embody some of those things okay very cool and so you're probably in living in hollywood she doesn't like hollywood hollywood you know yes. i know you Plus, play, if you were working on the studios you'd be here i'd be in burbank, burbank right? Yeah, right yeah i would i would still be in the valley so yeah, okay. probably burbank or or somewhere close to burbank sure. atwater village I was trying not to give away the Burbank secret. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Uh, Wes, tell us about Mordecus. So he's 24 and he's an EMT. The reason why is that's just a lot easier for him. Mm. He's able to meet people really quickly that he's supposed to work with. 
kind of cuts out a lot of the traveling he has to do on his off time to help people over to the other side. He's been doing that for a couple of years. He was told by his friend, who turned out to be Loki's daughter, that he too was one of these demigods, mm. uh, which answered a lot of questions for him. Uh, for one thing, every time he puts on clothing, no matter how many colors he picks, no matter what he does, they turn black. Mm. He gets <laughs> combat boots. He he gets this really black mascara that starts to run and his p face gets really pale and he just looks like the biggest goth in the world, which he'd be fine with. But sometimes he likes to wear, you know, colors. Sure. They always fade and go away. So normal humans don't really see it as much, you know, if, if he's in his official duties as an EMT, they'll see the EMT smock and mm -hmm. whatever. But if he's outside of that, where they're just looking at him as casual wear, he always looks like that. So do you, do you want to go the next step and say that supernaturally he looks like he's in black and white? Yeah. Let's do that. Okay. That's kind of cool. So yeah, other supernaturals would notice that because that's like, yeah, everyone is, there's some amount of color. So the only way that I can fight it is I have a a uh, bunch of pins on my jacket that I wear that are multicolored, um, and those don't change. So it, no matter how black and white I look, my pins always look like something else. So that's how I'm able to hold on to some sort of color in my life. Aww. So awesome. Pieces of flair. Yeah. Pieces of flair. <laughs> are you now are you wearing the minimum amount of flair? Yeah, only 15. Okay. <laughs> so you're the kind of person who just wants to do the minimum. Basically, yeah. I see. If I can. Okay. Well we're gonna need to have to talk about that at your review time. Which was it Brad? The guy, <laughs> look at Brad. He's got like 32. Yeah. <laughs> Brad. And your divine parent? Uh, uh, Hades. Hades, the little known, most people haven't heard of this yeah. guy. No. So. Uh, yeah. I know. I went super basic and, <laughs> and I'm going to live with that decision. But Oh my yeah. God, you guys are cousins. Like yeah. cousin sibling? Kissing cousin. Yeah. Cuzzling? Cuzzlings. Cuzzlings. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. It rolls off the tongue in all the nasty ways. <laughs> it's, it's a yuck. Yeah, that, that, it is a yuck. That's a big fat uh, It's a yuck for me, Bob. Um, <laughs> okay, so we need to come up with the person, place, or thing that is in common between the four of you. If it's a person, this could be the bagger at the grocery store you all go to. It could be your barista. It could be the cop that you all know for different reasons. Grocery like, store? You went to school with them and somebody else um, is their shopping buddy or whatever. You might know them for different reasons. If we don't want it to be a person, it could be a place that you frequent at different times, never having seen each other there before. Or, or it could be an artifact of some kind, a thing um, that is uh, magically imbued and important to all of you. Uh, for different reasons and was going to be destroyed and you say well we don't go to the grocery store yeah we have it we have it delivered yeah i don't like you said that and i don't know what the place you're talking about it's is. where the 20 dollar bananas are yes that sounds right you mean the place where my juices come from mm -hmm. okay I was actually thinking because groceries got brought up that what if it was the same delivery person that we all use because we all have very busy lives. So it's the same person who delivers yeah. to all of us. 
what's his name or her name? Instacarl. <laughs> Hit that again. <laughs> I said Instacarl because he works for Instacart. No, thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's fine. Instacarl. No, just, it could be Carl. literally Carl. anything. Yeah, it's just Carl. Carl. Just Carl. Carl works. Carl. 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 It's holes in my shoes. It's where my feet go in. Sorry. <laughs> so many memes. Yeah. Okay. And so this is, I, I try to uh, disconnect myself from choosing the spindle as much as possible because this is your NPC that you're building. Um, so Carl is going to be important to you. So, so for whatever reason, uh, this is not just show, someone who shows up and drops off your groceries. So you'll just need to come up with how you've developed a relationship with this guy, yeah. I think. Well, uh, one night I ordered some food and um, Carl came screaming up the stairs. And I guess he, he, he was supposed to deliver some drugs, some cocaine or something. Something happened and half the, the cocaine disappeared and he was getting chased. I had a choice at that moment. I, I could have taken him and because he was about to die, they uh, were right after him. Take him as in pass on. Uh, pass on. Yeah. Or um, I could save him. So uh, I saved him by hiding him in my place while these people were looking for him. So there you go. Okay. And you developed a friendship. Out yeah. Of that. Okay. Yeah. So cool. Carl delivers my like weekly groceries. And I think one time like he came in and like, I was like, just put it in the frit, the food place. And like, cause your cook was out. Yeah. Yeah. Do I have a, yeah. That's that. What That's what the guy's doing in the kitchen. Anyway. Interesting. Uh, bring me a juice. The juice I ordered. She didn't order a green juice. So she like, suckered carl into like making it and then like hanging out and we just like hang out and drink a bunch oh okay yeah right after a while i was like bring the juice no put vodka in it let's go swimming okay now we're friends <laughs> like and i just get him like riggedy riggedy wrecked and he has to hang out for the afternoon sure i like that i like the way <laughs> carl makes friends yeah this right is, <laughs> this is it's also great. so out of the way that i'm like you might as well wait out traffic it's yeah. going to be I mean, forever. It comes oh, yeah. to you last yeah. for yeah, sure. Exactly. Like, nobody wants to be in that area during like, right. No, exactly. Uh, okay. All right. That makes sense to me. It'd be pretty easy for him to show up on sets. Yeah. So I probably order stuff pretty regularly because I'm on set and I don't always like, you know, what craft services has to offer. So I order all the time. And so, uh, you know, I talk to Carl like at least two, three times a week. We just kind of chit chat and we've gotten to know each other gradually over the course of like a couple of years now. Are, are people afraid of you a little bit? Oh yeah. They're intimidated. Okay. Yeah. Like the more they know you. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like sometimes I just have to give someone a look and they just kind of cow down. Mm, and, I like that. Okay. Okay. So Carl showed up with my groceries at one point while I was having a very interesting and very in-depth conversation with the neighbor's dog mm -hmm. and actually was not weirded out by it. And in fact, seemed to see that I had some ability there. And so I think it's been more Carl trying to figure out what's going on with me. And so he kind of seems extra interested every time he shows up to see if he might catch me talking to the neighbor's dog again. 
Okay. Like, what was the deal with that lady was having a very intense conversation. Okay. So, at what point did he bring his cat to you to find out, to ask his cat what's wrong? Oh, that was probably a few months in. Okay. And what was wrong? The cat was just an asshole. Oh. (laughs) So, it wasn't that she wasn't eating because there's something wrong with her. It's just we've had enough of that food. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, typical cat stuff. I, just one of those those particularly I, persnickety cats. I ate an, a quarter of this food. Now my bowl is empty. Yes. Well, and Salmon also so last year. Yeah. But, you know, Carl also shared some tastier treats at one point, mm. And why can't I have that all the time? All right. Good. I like that. Um, so now we have to put Carl in mortal peril. Yay! Um, Yay! Mortal peril! Since we care about him now, the five of you really, what, what happened is the four of you came to Carl or, or coincidentally met up with Carl at the point where this sort of critical happening comes about. And we can sort of put ourselves in that scenario. This is probably about a year ago now from the start of our game. And um, Carl specifically was facing a supernatural disaster of some kind, maybe a herd of Minotaur or um, a storm with lightning snakes coming out of it. Um, Whatever it is, it's supernatural. It's not like, oops, an earthquake, which is in LA all the time. Like that's a really normal thing that we have to deal with. And Probably not divinely inspired. There would be a supernatural component to it. It's the moment where the veil is pulled back and Carl is now fully aware of the supernatural world uh, as you save him. And he has to deal with that whole adjustment, uh, (laughs) which is fun. Uh, So uh, what supernatural disaster did we save Carl from? I don't know exactly what the thing was, uh, like the circumstances of it was, but can there be like a ramp up moment where Carl, out of like desperation, like sent a text? Because I don't know if I'm just going to be walking around, but maybe if he was in enough duress, he was like, well, Petty seems like super connected and maybe can help out before it turned into like Mm. a cataclysm. Uh, if he had time to plan ahead, I wonder if he was getting in trouble for something. Like he did either... do the cocaine thing with yeah. me. So yeah, like maybe not... he was being arrested. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Okay. Stole it from Bacchus. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely wants his cocaine back. <laughs> what does Carl look like? Hosier. Surfer dude. <laughs> I think we both got it. We yeah. got there. What yeah. did you say? I said hosier. Ho- oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. How's your super surf surfer dude? Yeah. Surfer dude. Just put a lot of oomlots <laughs> in <Yeah>. there. <laughs> Just give me long hair, please. <laughs> My name is Carl Surfer dude. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea also that whatever if we have Bacchus sent somebody after him, right? That whatever it is, if it's like. I don't know, maybe centaurs or something that they, to the mortal eye, look like a motorcycle gang. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. That's adorable. Yeah. All right. Supernatural that's, that's motorcycle great. game. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> that, like that. that is something I can see, sink my teeth into. Uh, <laughs> supernatural motorcycle gang from Bacchus. Could Bacchus have used like 5-0 first? And then once like we kind of showed up in force to like diffuse like normal mortal means he's like all right sending centaurs this is how you get centaurs (laughs) yeah and and i think part of the problem any deity is going to have is there is also so every major city has its own deity associated with it so there's like a los angeles deity although that's probably 
not quite a monotheistic pantheon because you're certainly going to have like the Santa Monica deity and the Burbank deity and WeHo deity and <laughs> Pico Robertson deity. Pico Rob. And when they were about to break up LA, we would have just gotten four new deities because suddenly. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's it's the any part of town that is significantly fawned over yep. and insisted that this is an important part of town. Right. Uh, oh, God, there's so many. Yes. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, no. And yeah, so the actual deity of Los Angeles is the one step above all of those individual ideas. So that's okay. a nightmare. Uh, but what it means is trying to you know manipulate LAPD would run into some static uh, right, as a right. like competing pantheon. So having to pull in the Bacchanalian Fae is going to make a mess. And I like it. All right, cool. Sounds like a name for a band, Bacchanalian Fae. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, satyrs. That's the word I wanted. Satyrs, not centaurs? Oh, I guess it could be centaurs. Maybe it's both. Satyrs riding centaurs. <laughs> <laughs> we won, everybody. Nice. Good night. Thanks for coming. I'm glad we could do we this. Got, we got where we wanted yep. to go. Satyrs <laughs> and centaurs and nymphs. Oh, oh my. Nymphs. Carl was on the run from this supernatural motorcycle gang, which was actually a bunch of running centaurs that the mortals see as motorcycles. There was substantial collateral damage in our saving Carl. And we, what, what was that damage and how do we make it not look like a stampede of centaurs? <laughs> <laughs> um, just a standard run-of-the-mill question to set up a game. I just, I just imagine like uh, the Blues Brothers where they're, they're driving through the mall and they're like, ooh, the new Osmobiles are in. That kind of thing where, where the centaurs followed us into some kind of shopping center and started just destroying everything around. And so they had to explain why motorcycles were going up and down. Mm. I bet know. it was slippery for their little hooves. Yes. <laughs> yes. I have an idea, but I don't know if it's I like it already. Um, what if uh, Victoria has already used one of her ascendance moves to call down an even bigger horde of... <laughs> things against them i i mean we can certainly do that if you want to pre-burn an ascendance move i'll give you an advancement Ooh. i will do that because i like the idea of like he sends this horn this is motorcycle gang and it's she's like well fuck you and gets all the other critters to come all the mall plants and <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and yeah. like anybody who's got like purse dogs and shit like are just they, like they hopping out of purses like running into, like hellhounds yeah oh, they're already hellhounds we know exactly and going after them yeah okay. today at six o'clock a bunch of uh emotional support dogs attacked <laughs> a bunch of biker gang yeah and one and one nice <laughs> film at 11 all right so uh at the use of an ascendance move there's a consequence that goes with it do you have one in mind or do you want to look over it for a minute uh, because in the game, you can use your sentence move thrice and no more, unless you're the trickster, I think. <laughs> and when you use it, you do this big honking cool thing, and then you have to pick a permanent consequence. Uh, my permanent consequence is animals flock to you at all times. Definitely very inconvenient. <laughs> Extremely. Flocks. This and you, you said day. you'll let me have an advancement? Too? Yeah. Yes. Pre-burnout. You only have two ascendance uh, moves left. Oh, and so uh, using an ascendance move flakes away a bunch of your mortal self. And when you've used it three times, you are now too divine to remain on the mortal plane and you must ascend to your pantheon. So 
that's that's how that works. Yeah. Do you look different? Oh yeah. How are you weird now? Uh, now. I, weirder. <laughs> weirder. Uh, uh, I think that she reflects more of the natural world than she did before. So she's almost kind of more like predator mode, mm. but she's like starting to to fade into that. Okay. So like vine hair, that sort of thing. No, and- more like she's becoming more transparent and it's like the world like she's literally actually reflecting. literally reflecting fading yeah. away oh yeah the, okay. the natural world around her okay i get it except for all the animals that flock around you at all times yeah but yeah. it doesn't necessarily seem sometimes people may not even notice that she's there and they're like what is that animal you know after yeah, it's like might. oh stupid cat they're you know haha they're looking at something and it's like no they, they really are yeah what are they looking at when the cats are staring up at the corner of that room, ghosts. It's Victoria. Terrifying. Yeah, Victoria's there. Hi, Vicky. Nope. Uh, okay, so the collateral damage is we wrecked a mall. Well, it doesn't need to be that. That was just my idea, but it's up to you guys. Hey, Culver City's gone like through a lot of construction lately. What if it's because we flattened part of Culver City? Oh yeah, I like it. Yeah. yeah. Culver and we're like, City. Let's just convince like Amazon to buy it. And now it's not a problem. It was a really busy day. Oops. Yeah. Uh, In the process of saving Carl. So either because you saved Carl or because you kicked a bunch of centaurs in the nards. They have. Yeah. Seems like a kick. I didn't. I did none of that. That's a high kick. It's a long ways around. (laughs) Uh, Whatever it is, you you stopped this stampede or drug run or whatever it was or the fact that you helped Carl specifically, uh, a major divine being was impressed. Who did we impress? What's the like, patron, like which, which of those Catholic like saints was like the patron saint of screw ups. Cause I feel like our poor boy, Carl is just like a walking fuck up. Mm. Yeah. Like St. Jeremy. Well, it could be particularly if Carl's Catholic too, that yeah. could be part of it. I mean, St. Jude is the patron saint of lost causes. Yeah. Yo, St. Jude is just like, oh my God, this boy. By the way, I went ahead and took another move. Yeah. Okay. Which one? I took a shape changer. Oh God. Yay. <laughs> this is fine. Everything's fine. Nobody panic. Hey, uh, every time she turns into a werewolf, we all have to take a shot. <laughs> oh no, I have to drive home. <laughs> no, I, I feel like if I do that, then I'm going to be banished from the table. So I'll find other things that she can change into. And I th- we, we've answered this last question already, I think. The question is, what was our spindle's involvement? Like, how did he get tied up in this? And it was his failed drug delivery yeah probably didn't know he was delivering drugs and then right whoops all drugs uh so he like delivered half of it to this yeah. little lady by accident that was just getting her groceries yeah and she's like <laughs> what is this packet of white stuff oh nah. the flower came in for my cookies <laughs> fuck that noise she was just like i was young in the 70s dope <laughs> and she's she just saw, turning up in the background of this entire campaign just yep. like oh <laughs> she's all i'm cool I'm yeah cool. this yeah. is definitely what i ordered thank you and goodbye <laughs> She's only got one. She's got one fingernail that's longer than the rest. Yep. <laughs> okay. So he was, uh, Carl was uh, delivering drugs and that went poorly. That is our binding, right? That is that event bringing down this construction site to save Carl. Uh, all of that investing your care and uh, feels 
into that tied your fates together. And normally that would be extremely irritating. And a lot of your pantheons would just call you home because you're now going to be useless to them on the mortal plane <laughs> and just make a mess. But you are creating a unique opportunity. Usually I play this as in all the long history of all mythologies everywhere, there has never been a group of demigods who could cooperate. So you are special. Yay. <laughs> Yay. And, Most ambitious crossover. Yes. And you are so special, in fact, that many, many gods want to ask you to do things for them because you can do things that no single demigod could do. A whole bunch of other gods are absolutely terrified of you because... You can do things that no single demigod can do. <laughs> Very scary for them because one demigod versus any god really is nothing. That's just splat. You're done. Maybe they'll resurrect you. Maybe not, but <laughs> not not an issue. But four demigods could probably go toe to toe with just about any deity. That's scary. So um, and, you know, in the big picture, all of you are on your own arc to godhood. Right. You, you will become a god in your pantheon eventually. That's kind of the intention. And so you make your character with the idea of where am I headed? Right. Yeah. What, what, where are we going and why are we in this handbasket? <laughs> so with that established, we can finally jump into our tangles. Yeah. So since that crashed Culver City construction site, you all have been running into each other. You can't get rid of each other. Coincidentally, you are, for the first time in your life, able to make friends with other demigods or be annoyed with each other. But you're hanging out together because you can't get rid of each other. And that's where our tangles come into play. The tangles are on the backside of your playbook, and there are six of them there. I like to try to make sure you get at least one for each other player. But you can do multiples if you fill out more than one per player. However many tangles you have filled in is the bonus you get when you go to help someone, when you do the provide aid move. So if you have two tangles with someone, you would roll to help and add two. You also optionally can put Carl in as one of these. But let's make it, let's check in with everyone because Carl is a shared toy and we should all play well together. <laughs> um, which means if somebody's banging Carl, let's... Just put that on the table and make sure everyone knows, because maybe many of you are banging <gasps> Who's Carl. Who's banging Carl? Who's banging Carl? He does have cocaine. I just went through like a full like, well, I mean, honestly, yeah, it's as good a reason as any. Yeah. I've seen Victoria's death. A, a death. <laughs> a death. <laughs> a vision of a... Describe how, but not where and when. Giant Venus flytrap. Would it be fair to say that Petty is kind of oblivious to the natural world? The what? Yep. I'm going to write that in right there. Sochiel will make an excellent shield when the trouble finally hits. <laughs> She's so tall. I've never actually seen Petty fight. Can I trust her? Do what? Oh, like an animal. No, no, I don't. <laughs> Wes, what is the death that you saw for Victoria? I was thinking that maybe she just gets overrun by... Too many animals? Trampled. Trampled. <laughs> Trampled. That's a good way to put it. Okay. Trampled. And it's important to note that in a game like this, where you actually have a death move, the thing you can do while you're dead, um, dying happens sometimes. And so this could be her first death, her fifth death. Right. Um, yeah. A death that never happens because fate gets changed. Uh, who but basically, knows? basically her... Animals being so drawn to her causes her to get trampled by a large group of like horses or something, mm -hmm. but not centaurs specifically. 
Victoria caught me in a lie one time and earned my respect. Ooh. Yeah. Well, it was mostly like I just couldn't see her because it was a garden party. So I thought it was just a flock of squirrels by themselves. I took Petty's grandma over to the other side. Have you told Petty about that? Yeah, I, I, I would. Yeah, absolutely. I like it. And I would put as joyous a point on it as possible. Like, oh, it went smoothly. Everything was great. She was fine. You know, we had a nice talk as we went across and blah, blah, blah. And she's in a better place and blah, you know, the whole She was rest. old and I don't care. Did she give you her famous lemonade recipe? She did. Lemonade has so many carbs in it and pretends to not care and is very sad. Okay. By herself. But I know that you cared. I dare you to say that again out loud. I fucking dare you. Oh, I don't know how to fight. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) Puts on her sunglasses and teleports away. Grandma loved you. Fucking gross. I can't resist pushing Morty's buttons. What? What? (laughs) (laughs) Heel turn. Okay. I like that. Uh, Can I double fill, since you guys are technically in the same pantheon, that I ticked off uh, both Morty and Victoria's pantheon, but they don't know it was me? Yeah, you ticked off the Dodecatheon. Dodecatheon? Is that what it's called? Damn, that's cute as hell. (laughs) Morty has real combat experience that I admire. Oh, is that true, Morty? Yeah, that's why I have the armor. The fisticuffs, sort of. It's sometimes like it comes in handy to know how to deal with, especially people get very upset about crossing over and oh yeah, I get attacked. So I have to defend myself from ghosts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Sucks. Yeah. I bet. And I feel myself drawn to Victoria. Why? Oh, Ooh. why indeed? Ooh. I don't know yet. Which is funny because I think Zochil could learn something from the ways of Mother Nature. Ah. Ooh, that's, that's a sexy it. thing. I, I think like it's it. a sexy <laughs> thing. <laughs> yep. That's what that sounds like to me. Sochil ignored my premonition and has the scars to prove it. Does that work for you? Yeah. yeah. I like that. All right. I like that. So I've got everybody. I think I've got one per I've got each person. So mm-hmm. I have one for everybody. I actually have two for Petty though. If that's hey, okay. Hell yeah. I've got two for you too. Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. I put down you can always count on Petty when it's time to party. Hell yes. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> and to you know, I think I want another for Sojil. I because she did not follow my advice, I had to bargain with another Reaper to keep her alive. Oh Ooh, nice. Dang. Did you, she doesn't know that. Okay. <laughs> Did you almost die on set or in your own time? On set. In set. It was, I would say it's on set, wouldn't it? Either, well, or. Like some horrible. Like, or when I was in the military. Well, I don't know if I'd known you back then. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I wouldn't have been able to stick up for you. Yeah. So, yeah, it would be on set. Maybe uh, there was, A, you know, well pyrotechnics didn't follow the directions of what was supposed to happen and. Cool. Yeah. I like that. And then I have one for Mordicus, Morty down there. You can't seem to yes, wrap, wrap. I'm going <laughs> to murder you in your sleep or when you're awake. It doesn't really much matter to me when I murder you. Uh, just that it happens. I'll help. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, Friendship. So they like us. That question about tone is reminding <laughs> really uh, You can't seem to wrap your head around Mordicus and you're not sure you want to. <laughs> <laughs> He's icky. That's, that's, I totally understand that. Yeah. I just, I don't, whatever is happening over here, I don't get it. That's, that's fine. 
It's valid. Your feelings are valid. Yeah. Uh, me and Carl pulled a hellish prank that one time. Oh. Because every good prank needs a fall man. Oh. <laughs> Do you know what happened? Yeah, it was like just some Met Gala nonsense. I saw Ocean's 8 and was like, doable? Mm. And we were going to do like a jewel heist. And then Carl took the fall for it. But then I got it covered up. And it was like, oh, it was just an accident. We don't know why he walked into that bathroom and took off Anne Hathaway's like very clearly costume jewelry. It was stupid. But I had a very good time. <laughs> Oceans too. I, I feel like I might have gotten roped into that because yeah. I think you and Carl pulled off a newsworthy bit of ecoterrorism. And I misunderstood what you were saying we were going to do. And so there, that was when the whole plant incident happened. Yep. At, at the Met Gala. Yep. Whoopsie. Oh. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about it. No. It was fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have fun. one more for Petty. Yeah. I find Petty's impulsiveness to be off-putting. I have no idea what you're talking about. It's very <laughs> weird that you would say that. Uh, I have huh. one for Carl. Uh, Carl and I throw ragers. Like yes. huge ep epic parties. Okay. Uh, ever since the whole cocaine snafu yeah we've uh we've gotten good at it just inviting a bunch of people over drinking a lot also i've written him down as a spindle instacarl the delivery snack mm. yeah because he's cute <laughs> yeah Definitely. for carl yeah. it's a spindle what it is carl why you cared he's a righteous dude oh yeah. carl's great yeah that makes sense oh no my patterns must not fuck this spindle uh too Gotta. late Gotta! <laughs> uh, any other open spots we want to take care of? No, I think I'm pretty good. Yeah, okay, good. cool. No, fuck it. Uh, I think Sochiel, uh, it seems like Sochiel understands why you do what you do. You'll have to keep an eye on them. Fucking gross. Yeah. Okay. I see right through you, Petty. Okay, that's not true. I'm not Victoria. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> but am I wrong? Still rude. Spot the lie. You, you can be correct and rude. Oh my God, that's all I've ever wanted. <laughs> <laughs> so is, does that basically cover everything we need? Yeah, that, that sets up a little bit of our backstory so that we can get going. Okay. And um, that kind of is actually my favorite part of the game. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. And so Mac, what do you have going on right now? Hey, uh, once again, I am Mac Beauvais. I can be found here, obviously, on 12-Sided Stories, but you can also catch me over at Happy Jacks, where I'm there every Monday playing games. It's super fun, and uh, yeah, go and check that out. And you can also find me on the internets as at Strange Like That. Nice. Uh, I'm Abria Iyengar. You can catch me on social media at Quiddy, Q-U-I-D-D-I-E. I stream a bunch. Uh, check me out at Happy Jacks, Hyper RPG, and Saving Throw Show. I'm Michelle Otis, and you can find me on the socials at Mishulu. That's M-I-C-H-U-L-H-U. -U. You can also uh, get my music through Plate Mail Games on Drive-Thru RPG. And uh, yeah. And I am Wes Otis. You can find my stuff on Plate Mail Games as well through Drive Through RPG or through Battle Bards. Um, and uh, our our actual Twitter handle is at twelve, the number twelve sided stories. Uh, so, so come by and say hello. And uh, our guest uh, GM this time is 
I'm Jason Mills. I am the author of Demigods. You can find more about the game at demigodspbta.com. There's a fully fledged uh, quick start rule book on there. Uh, you can find me streaming at Happy Jacks. I have a masks campaign every Wednesday. I run, I'm GMing Shadowrun uh, alternating Mondays, and I'm in a Things from the Flood campaign as well on the Monday's opposite I shadow. I just saw you recently on Saving Throw as well, right? You were on there for one for Pantheon, right? That's true. I did I did get to guest onto New Pantheon, which was very strange playing demigods, uh, <laughs> which yeah. I actually don't get to do very often, and it was a lot of fun. That's really cool. Nice. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, if go ahead, I think I left out, and you can find me on Twitter at it's probably okay, just the letters okay, and uh, that's where most of my info goes out. Awesome. Thank you so much. And if you like what we do, check out our Patreon or do a review or do a shout out while you like us, all that good stuff. We really appreciate your support. Thanks and see you next time. Bye. <laughs>